Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My guest today is Toby Curry. Toby serves as the Director of Operations for Coastal Automotive, a Tier 1 global automotive safety component manufacturer, where he is responsible for operational P&L, continuous improvement, production, logistics, and quality. Toby spent over 20 years in the automotive industry with 10 of those years in executive leadership. He's passionate about making a positive difference for customers, community, and employees through building a great workplace culture. And I've worked worked hand in hand with Toby and I can stand behind every single word uh, in in that sentence that he definitely stands behind that. Um, But I think the best part, my most favorite part of introducing Toby is the fact that he uh, was a U.S. Navy submarine veteran prior to joining Coastal. Uh, Toby served in various roles, including process engineering, continuous improvement and production supervision. So welcome to the show, Toby. Awesome. Thank you for the introduction, Patrick. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. And thank you for your service. Always uh, want to throw likewise. Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's a lot of people that are listening right now who have no idea who you are uh, as an operations manager. And, and, you know, maybe uh, obviously some of your military background and things, but we would like to know a little bit more about you. Do you mind giving our listeners just a little bit of uh, some of your background, who you are, you know, some of your work experience, and and we can start there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So again, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm an Iowa native. Um, after I, uh, got out of high school, I immediately said, you know, I had this drive to want to serve my country. That was paramount to me. Um, and I wanted to do something that was now I'll call it abnormal and submarines fit that bill perfectly. Um, yes. so I was a West coast sailor stationed out of Pearl Harbor. Um, I was a sonar technician and a diver, um, and absolutely loved my time in the service. Uh, that paved the way into a college for me. That college was Grand Valley State University, where I um, got my bachelor in mechanical engineering. And out of the gate, I immediately went into the automotive service um, as a process engineer, spent a few years doing that gig for a little bit, and uh, was asked, hey, I, I think that you'd do well into an operations role. And I had seen a lot of um, I'd seen a lot of leadership in my time as a process engineer. And I know a lot of the guys that are in maintenance process engineers, they're problem solvers out on the production floor. And a lot of times the employees confide in them about, hey, this leader, this, this leader, that. And I thought, you know, I really love working with the people. And I think I could, I, I've seen a lot of poor leaders. And I think that I'd like to try my hand at that. And and it was recommended that I go into that role by my mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what brought me into automotive leadership. Um, and, and I've been there ever since. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Mendoza uh, College of Business, um, which is the sidearm of Notre Dame University for the executive leadership yes. uh, certificate, which was a fantastic experience. And yeah, worked at a few very large automotive supplier companies. Um, and then I found Coastal Automotive, much smaller footprint, private. Um, and I, I'm having a great time here. Yeah. And I love what you guys do. It's it's really interesting uh, when you when you think about the end customer and and what you guys are doing at Coastal, uh, can you just tell us just give us a kind of a brief uh, uh, synopsis of what you guys do at Coastal and who your end customers are? are I don't know as much as you can share. I know some of that you can't share, but whatever is is uh, available to to fill us in. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we are a we are a passive safety provider for every major OEM um, in the globe. So we supply both tier one direct to the OEMs and we are a tier two supplier as well. Um, if you see a vehicle on the highway, there is a very good chance that we're in that vehicle somewhere. Um, our bread and butter is in the overhead of the vehicle as a head impact countermeasure. Um, but we're starting to diversify all over the interior of the vehicle. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and obviously for uh, not, not, your your end customer, you know, uh, multiple uh, of the, the the large automotive companies, but you guys, one of the cool uh, things you guys also do a little bit of work for, you know, race cars too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So NASCAR is always that big marketing draw for us. Um, so we are on 100% of the NASCAR um, platforms, and then we also do other race products like nose cones and Indy cars and and some safer barrier type activity. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's what I I, I love that. Uh, and I, I know a lot of the, the team members that, that work for you also uh, really enjoy, you know, just the knowing what they're providing. And, and you know, we talk about uh, connection to purpose and, and just the, what you guys do from a safety perspective when it comes to automotive and, and NASCAR and, and all these different things. So uh, pretty amazing. Love, love hearing that. Um, so let's shift over to lean manufacturing right so lean manufacturing practices have been around for decades right and um you know there's so many different industries now that you can go into outside of manufacturing where lean principles are being used but you know why do you think that um it's lean practices whether you know whether it's in manufacturing specifically or even outside of why do you think that lean practices you know should be something that's uh that's being utilized by by everyone or by by industries you know um again manufacturing or outside of manufacturing why is it important so I, i've been fortunate enough in my career to work for a few organizations big and small that have started their lean initiative some of those i've seen be really successful and unfortunately more often than not they have become a flavor of the month or a flavor of the in some cases day it feels like where there's a big head of steam going into let's do these lean practices um i think the big driver in my past has always been for financial gain um if we're going to continue the voice of the, the company if we're going to continue to compete in this marketplace we need to do more with less mm -hmm. um one of the things that i feel is really important with that's driving uh, the need for lean right now is the competition in the market. So from a, from a labor perspective, from uh, the, the global supply chain and, and, and all of the chaos that has ensued because of that, if you don't have lean systems and lean practices in your organization, it's like trying to swim upstream. There's enough chaos coming down that river right now. Go with it. And I'm not saying go with the chaos, but you got to figure out a way to, to navigate those waters. If you don't, you're going to struggle. Um, and, and competition is fierce out there in the world right now, especially from the labor side of it. Right. Um, I, I'm always a big advocate for do more with less. But I think that those things have to be done complete strategically. Um, so you can either you can either pursue lean objectives in this world that we live in today with the, the chaos or you can continue to struggle and you can only struggle and try to swim upstream for so long before you drown. So. Sure. 
Yeah, that's that's such a good point. And when you say uh, when you say do more with less, can you expand on that just a little bit? Because uh, I would say probably one of the the feelings that I that some of the listeners may be thinking is, well, does that mean you just lay off your work for you know lay off as many people as you can and just try to put everything on you know your best three or four people? And you know, is that what you're talking about? Or when you say do more with less, like expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I have been part of organizations that I, I firmly believe that the do more with less was, yeah, we're going to get lean. And basically, we're going to line out every third name on the staffing roster. And we'll call that our lean do more with less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ends up doing less with less is yeah. what ends up happening. So um, it, it does not work. And I don't advise anybody ever try try that strategy. Um, yeah. it, it's it's not beneficial. Um one of the one of the biggest things that I uh, push when it comes to lean, at least from my perspective, is a company or organization cannot even begin to pursue lean practices until they have a solid foundation, until they know exactly all of the chaos that's going around, all the vulnerabilities. What are the quality things that can hurt you? What are the material things? What's the volatility with the customer? And 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 even best manufacturing practices. If you don't understand that. I highly urge people don't start a big lean push. Those things are going to rear up and just destroy, not destroy, but they will just cause all kinds of headaches in that lean journey. You're going to have enough headaches in a lean journey. Uh, And and I I, I talk about this later about uh, what it is to fail. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are opportunities. Those things are going to come. Those things are going to come up in the lean um, in your lean journey. Yeah. You really need to understand that you have you need to develop a good foundation with your manufacturing process, quality systems, materials, all of that before you can even pursue uh, lean implementation. But definitely the do more, the do more w- with less. That's going to come naturally. That's how you know. I mean, it, it's not a task. Yeah. It's something that just happens naturally. You yeah. do more with less. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the results of of developing and implementing a, or developing a true uh, culture of continuous improvement, the results of that are, you know, those things will come, the, the financial benefits, the, you know, the, the cultural benefits, those types of things. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, if yeah. you're, if you're trying to, at least from my experience, if you're trying to force a, a lean culture is not driven from an action item list, mm-hmm. a lean culture um, creates activities internally. Um, it's nothing wrong with having activity, uh, you know, an, an open action item list, but that should not be the sole reason that's driving actionables. Those things, they should come up and they should be populated by the production floor. They should not be populated in an office setting and hung up on a board somewhere and said, hey, team, did you get these things done? That's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, in thinking about coastal and your uh, your experience there and what you what you guys have been doing over the last couple of years, can you give us an example of a lean process implementation that you, that you've benefited from? And, and maybe it's not at coastal; it could be somewhere else too. But um, that just obviously came to mind. So, a- any example uh, where you know a lean process implementation that that you've been able to benefit from? Absolutely. So, when I first started here at coastal. Um, 
it took me about three years before I even started down the lean path. And that goes right back to what I originally said. I needed a good foundation. Um, within the, the three years that I started here, we moved our manufacturing operation from our Rochester Hills facility to the Holland location. That meant an entire new support staff from materials, quality, production, production employees. I basically had to start at ground zero and I had to get that foundation. Once I had that, ready, set, COVID. So there was all kinds of uh, uh, chaos that happened as a result of that. And as the world exited from that pandemic, the automotive was introduced into the new pandemic that I'll call the supply chain. Mm. That was all kinds of chaos. Um, Coastal Automotive has, uh, we're shipping out of here about 1.1 to 1.2 million pieces per week. Um, 900 and some odd different part numbers. Um, that chaos that the supply chain created really made our, um, our, our customers forecast very volatile. It was super difficult to try to forecast what are we going to run next and when. Trying to, you know, historically, we had a pretty good six-week average. We could kind of see what's going on. That kind of went away. Mm -hmm. And we were on a complete push system from the customer. And when you're dealing with those types of volumes and that diversity in part numbers, that was a recipe for really bad things to happen. And we started down that path. That's when I brought your team in. Um, your team partnered up with my team here on the production floor, and we created our very first Kanban system. It was 12 part numbers out of all of the 900 and some, um, but those 12 part numbers were very large volumes. Mm -hmm. And for 30 days, your team worked right alongside my team here. And man, did we ever learn a lot about ourselves and Kanban and lean journeys and the things that we do really well and the things that we didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, fast forward to where we are now. Um, we are running six full Kanbans. 80% of our entire plant volume is now running on Kanban. I've got two additional Kanbans in the, in the mix. Yeah. And man, I, sometimes, you know, we've all been in those days where we're like, oh, it's a gloomy day and it just, things aren't going right. All I got to do is flash back to a year ago and go, how in the world did we even do this? And so I'm super thankful that yeah. we are on the journey that we're on. And, and again, now that's becoming a foundational thing for us. And now we're going to take it to the next level with the next lean tools, whatever those may be. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to uh, rewind here because there were a couple of things that you said that I think are key in uh, in your lean journey. The first thing that you said was. Uh, and this was prior to COVID, but uh, you said we had to stabilize, uh, you know, so you guys moved uh, your entire operations from one facility to another. And I think that's an important key point that you made that you you, you didn't just start changing. Well, it was a huge change anyways, but yeah. you had to allow some time for things to stabilize yeah. uh, before you went in and started to, to uh, you know, uh, mess things up again or, or change things or, or throw some new new things at, at the team. So I think that was really key. Um, my question that I had with that was how long did it take for you guys to feel like you were at least at, in, in a stable state after that after that move? So one of the first things that I had to do is I had to put in some type of measuring stick. So I had to put in what I call KOI, and that is basically a set of indicators that I use to measure producti uh, productivity in the plant. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that had to happen first because I can't start to make any changes 
until I can go back and look at the graphs and, and the throughputs and whatever and say, did that, was that positive or was that negative? Yeah. That was the first thing that had to happen. And then it was a lot of learning um, from, from plant layouts uh, to just, just onboarding of people. That was probably about a two-year process before I felt that we were I mean, we were constantly improving things, sure. uh, the manufacturing process, whatever. Um, it was about a two-year before I felt okay. I think we're we're starting to get the hang of this, mm -hmm. and we can be a little bit nimble. We're, we've learned a lot, so yeah, about yeah. two years. Okay, uh, and then the other thing, uh, you know, skip past COVID because that's a whole. I mean, we could talk about that forever or but, not. No, no, or not. Uh, but uh, when you then the other thing that you said was uh, prior to um, implementing a Kanban system, you guys, uh, you had a problem that you identified and the problem was fairly significant. And you you had this, uh, you know, this problem in front of you, you identified it, you defined it. Um, and then you started to, and I'll say experiment because, uh, because I, if you remember the first thing that, that I challenged you with when we started this was, uh, break the system, uh, try right. to break it, learn as much as you can. And you get, and that's exactly what you guys did. And you did, you, you worked as hard as you could to try to, uh, break what had been put in place because we wanted the team to have the freedom to learn and yeah. change things and adjust. That's why we started with such a small scope, right? So talk, walk us through that and what that looked like to, to allow your team to experiment with this as they were learning something new and you know, having the freedom to, to break it or to call, you know, call it failure, whatever you wanna do, but to, to learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can. What did that look like for you guys? So I think it's really important at least it was for me personally, I wanted to be involved with the production team. I did not want to stand on the sidelines and point and say, team, do this, team, do that. I brought that team on board. I was one of the team members and I was very vulnerable with that team. I don't have all the answers. And there is a good likelihood that we may fall flat on our face. And I can't tell you how many times we fell flat on our face. Yeah. There were so many nights in here when me and that production team we're in here at nine o'clock at night, relabeling a stock room because we put all of the same vehicle platform on one Kanban. And as soon as volume went up just a little bit, the Kanban blew up. You know, yeah. Th there were so many of those instances. We were just talking about this in the office today. Every time we launch a new Kanban, we experience, I'll call them opportunities. Um, and I look forward to them now because every time we solve one of those, we are bigger, faster, stronger on every single one of them. We've created the 10 commandments of thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even count how many commandments we have now. 10 is, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the first page. Yeah. Uh, we've, done, we've done a whole lot of learning um, and, and we've done a whole lot of failing at, at the same time. And it was important to note that the entire leadership team here from the director of operations all the way down to the line lead was arm in arm failing at the same time. Yeah. And there was there was never, and there can't ever be, for a successful lean system, there can't ever be the us, them. It's we. Yeah, absolutely. That that's critical. Yeah. And and again, you you just made another three or four amazing points that I want to call out. <laughs> so, uh, the first one, as the director of operations, 
you were out there with the team and you were one with them and you were learning with them and you were failing with them. And I mean, that's massive. That's huge. And and there's leaders that are listening right now that, you know, I, I can't even, um, I can't say how many organizations we walk into where there is an us versus them. There's a wall between leadership and frontline employees and that has to come down and you have to, you have to be arm in arm. Um, I love the organizations that, uh, move production supervisors out of an office and put their desk out on the production floor. And, and I know that's, you know, you can't do that everywhere, but it's just, uh, it, it's just that, that, uh, visual picture of removing the walls because we're all in this together. The most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it this way. There are an awful lot of posers out there. People that do lean because they're mandated to do it. They think it will work. How stable are you today? What are your goals? Are you generating small, simple improvements? There are very few people that embrace lean with their full heart, head, and emotion. Let's imagine that your current output is top notch is that enough to stop innovating and stop reaching for more? Patrick's book uncovers the essence of what those organizations look like and what the posers look like. Caution, are you in the fake zone or the real zone? Order your copy today at avoidcontinuousappearance.com. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about was you, you mentioned failure. And I, uh, so I want to ask this question, how many times when you failed during this, uh, implement this Kanban, uh, rollout, did you, um, yell at people? Did you fire people? Did you, uh, I mean, was, was there a, uh, a fear of failure that you as the, the director of operations instilled in your team so that they would not fail? Was that the case or was there something else going on? No, no. And, and to be honest, the first few failures that an organization or that we faced, um, I think it's really critical that the leaders shoulder that and say, and just make sure the team sees that you are vulnerable. Hey guys, I thought this would work this way. Just, I, I personally like to shoulder that just to show that team that, Hey guys, I'm not afraid to fail here. But even more important is, now, how are we going to uh, adapt, overcome, and improvise? That is that is ten x uh, uh, more important than than failing. Is how do you respond to that failure? Failure is okay. Failure to uh, failing for the same thing repeatedly, that's failing versus learning. Failing should be a learning experience. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that um, never. Was it uh, an adversarial situation? How many times did I scream? Probably quite a few times on my way home. You know, the rear view mirror test, just, ah, oh, I can't believe this isn't working. <laughs> and that 40 minute ride home, I've already got, okay, I think we should try these things. Plant the seeds with some of the production team members. Let them grow the plants. Let them grow those plans. So I, it, it's important for me. I, I'm not a top-down leader. I don't like to point and click. I like to plant the seeds with the employees, let them grow those ideas. We've all heard this before. If those ideas come from the production floor, they're gonna be heavily vested in making them succeed versus me telling them that this is the objective. And then they say, this was your idea and it didn't work. So. Love it. No, that's great. 
Um, you know, and uh, one other thing that I wanted to, to talk about too was uh, your high-performing work teams. So this was a, a concept that that you came up with, uh, or as a team, your group came up with um, and deployed it. Um, can you talk to talk to the listeners about what that what what that means to be a high-performing work team and and uh, um, and I'll just kind of let me just uh, lay the, uh, the 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 visual here. When I first walked into the facility, you had uh, what you called your I got to remember now tapers, the yep. tape department, all working on their own in an area of the plant, uh, segregated from the rest. Uh, and and I can't remember if that there was like a bottleneck or something there. I, I don't remember all the the details. You can give us that, but um, there were all these segregated departments in your production facility. And then you had inventory in between and, you, you know, there, there was a lack of flow. And um, so that's kind of what, how things started. And that, now talk to us about that, the high performing work team concept. So if, if everyone's heard the term spaghetti diagram, so if I were to draw my previous value stream, it would be that um, it would be even difficult to draw because it wasn't defined. I had 12 different uh, uh, manufacturing cells or not even cells, pieces of equipment that fed seven more, that fed 19 more, 900 part numbers doing this. And it was, it was crazy. High, the theory of high performance team was we select a group of part numbers. We assign that to a very specific piece of equipment. That value stream gets you know, it's two of our um, two of our cutting operations that feed our measuring operation and the 19 tapers that we used to have out there. Those became a small group, three tapers to a table. They're collectively working on the same uh, job. That job comes off the saw, goes to the vision, goes to the tapers, goes to the stock room. They have a finite amount. HPT one high performance team one is 12 different part numbers they are really good at running those 12 part numbers the that same team right i mean that group of people were dedicated to that value stream or that group of of parts and that group of equipment right so they were able to uh look at the problems that were specific to their area and solve them together as a team yeah absolutely um they they became the experts Hmm. before nobody owned the part numbers Everybody owned them. And if everybody owns it, nobody owns it. We've heard that before. Yeah. These, the, these individuals, now it's a team of seven. They own these 12 part numbers. They're the largest volume part numbers that we have in the plant. So it's, I know 12 sounds like a small number. It's responsible for about 40% of the volume that goes out of this plant. So it, it's, it's, a, it's truly a high performance team. They have their own set of metrics. Um, they, have their, they review their own quality. Um, it's just been fantastic. They have their own on-time delivery scores. So I, I will say one of the neatest things that we've experienced is since the onset of Kanban, we have had zero um, on-time delivery instances with any of these part numbers that have gone on Kanban. Yeah. The chaos is happening with what we'll call the legacy parts. Those are the ones that have yet to be assigned to Kanbans. We took our problem children highest volume and we assigned those to Kanban first. Then we took the ones that had complicated process flows. We added those to Kanban. So we're we're definitely up in the complexity of our Kanbans. Sure. And now we've even got Kanbans within Kanbans, um, mm-hmm. whip limitations and, 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 and. But yeah. Yeah. 
And I think it's important to note too, you know, we, we hear that, uh, inventory is one of the, one of the wastes, right? One of the seven wastes, eight wastes, whatever you say. Uh, now I would, I, I, and I always come back to it's, it's excess inventory, right? Not the right side, the right amount of inventory is okay. Excess inventory is really the waste. When you do a combine, you definitely are holding, uh, a certain amount of inventory, right? For you guys, you guys are dealing with some significant supply chain issues. Um, I can't remember what the lead time is, but your your uh, raw materials are coming from overseas, right? Correct. Yep. Um, so you know, uh, so again, you have to. There's a lot of things that go into developing a kanban and de determining that that's the right solution for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but my guess is you're continually looking at your inventory levels to see, you know, do we still need to carry this level of inventory? How can we continue to reduce that? And as we're eliminating, um, you know, other problems or, or other issues, challenges, you know, we're still continuing to improve even your own kanbans that you have in place. Um, so, you know, that's one thing, but um, the other thing too, we mentioned failure. And, uh, you know, again, you guys broke the system. You failed as much as you could to learn as much as you could. Um, we talk about lean initiatives in a manufacturing facility, you know, maybe specific to coastal, maybe other places you've been. But um, what do you feel is the largest factor that contributes to failed lean initiatives? Um, you know, again, it could be. I, and I'm not talking about fail to learn like like we just but I'm talking about like we're trying to develop, we're trying to develop a continuous improvement culture and we just, we're failing or we're trying to roll out lean initiatives after we have, we feel like we have a stable culture and we're failing. Like what, what would you say is contributing to, you know, some of those uh, failed lean initiatives? So two, I have two of them. Two of the biggest failure modes that I typically see or, or have experienced personally is first and foremost, the lack of commitment. So that top-down approach where um, the the leaders of the organization are not fully vested in the lean um, initiatives. I, I've seen that where it's driven off of action items. That just doesn't work. Um, it's got to be, and the entire company has to embrace that from the CEO all the way down to the the, the newest employee that just started. It's more than just an action item list. It's a commitment um, from the entire production floor, and it's a culture. It's a way of life. Um, at every single day, we are continually talking about Kanban. Always. Do we have the right parts in there? Blah, blah, blah. We're always questioning it to see if we can improve. And that's from myself down to the production floor. We didn't really start breaking the system until we got the production floor involved in it highly highly involved in it and they started questioning it oh that's a good idea i never even thought of that you know the second thing is and then we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier the lack of a foundation um mm -hmm. if a company doesn't have a solid foundation and understand where the demons in the plant lie do having those demons come up they will surface in the lean in in lean implementation having them surface um during that process, you're going to have enough headaches and learning opportunities when you're launching Kanban. You don't need to be blindsided by a bus. So address those buses in your plant first and foremost and, and, and get a good foundation.
Yeah, I like that. Those are those are a couple really, really good uh, nuggets of advice uh, for those that are listening in. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, this is always a, 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 an interesting question that I like to ask. Um, if we were to jump in our uh, time machine and we were to fly back to um, prior to you, you know, starting to practice some of these lean initiatives and you could talk to yourself. Uh, I think there's a couple of movies out there that that. Uh, you know, touch on that. But if you were able to fly back in your in your time machine and talk to yourself, um, what would be some some wisdom that you would throw out there and, and give yourself, uh, you know, in the beginning? What are some of those things that you've learned that you'd say, man, if only I would have known this way back, yeah. what would those yeah. be? So mine is an easy one. Um, and I, I would look at myself in the eyes and I'd have to repeat myself three or four times because I wouldn't listen knowing the old me. Um, I'd have to tell myself repeatedly, you're going to fail. But instead of failing, replace that word with learn because it's going to be a lot better for your ego. Mm -hmm. I was really young coming into a leadership role. And as a young gun with a bunch of old salty dogs, I had a lot to prove and I was right and I wasn't going to be vulnerable and I always had the next bright idea. Some of that worked, but it wasn't as easy as what it could have been. Um, I should have been a lot more vulnerable. Um, I should, I, I am eager to fail. I hate to say that because I'm learning during those experiences right. and I'm taking those and I'm using those to, to make improvements in our process. It's going to happen whether or not I want it to or not. Um, so if I want to, if I want to take the ding off my ego, um, don't call it fail, failing, call it learning. Yeah, I like it. That's good. All right. So what's next for Toby and Coastal? What do you, what do you, so you guys, you mentioned that you're working on maybe some, some more Kanban uh, for some of your other part numbers. Uh, what are some of the other challenges or problems that you're dealing with right now that you that you're, you're challenging the team to, to work on some improvements or to look at for the future? So, yeah, good point. Um, Kanban is going to continue to grow. We've got about two or three more Kanban teams to launch. Um, and then we're, we're, we will be 100 per, our scheduling days of the push system will be completely gone. Um, it will be a complete poll system that's based off a of card-based Kanban. Um, and then now that we have the high-performance teams, we can start doing small training sessions with each one of these high-performance teams. Pick a lean tool. You and I have talked before about the potential to do Gemba training with one of these team members. Rather than training the entire plant all at once, that's a bur that, that can be overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. Take a small group of employees, do a training session on even something as simple as the basic 5S or the seven wastes of manufacturing you know, Gemba walks, whatever it may be. Um, we've recently onboarded a, uh, an employee trainer that is going to start documenting all and, and all of these processes that we've created over the last year. Um, and ultimately we want to empower that person to work with the employees to develop that workforce. But lots of training. It's very people centric. That's, uh, that's yeah. our biggest asset that we have right now. Um, and we, we need to invest in those employees. Sure. Um, and, and I'll just ask this question because I, I think you have the ability to do that based on your structure with high performing teams where you can just take one team and, you know, kind of roll out the training like that. Um, 
what about like cross training and you know do you have like does it limit you do these high performance teams limit you by you know oh these people only work in this area and not these other areas or is it a benefit to you you know you know again i guess i'm just i'm wondering about that as we're talking about this you know do you have the ability for those those people to go from one high performing team to another or do you see that as a not not something you'll do in the future i don't know so one of the uh, one of the feedbacks that we've always gotten from the team we're a smaller workforce i got 85 employees here and yeah. i have three different pay bands i have an operator a which is my entry level um some of the lower skill uh manufacturing up to an operator C. So I have operator A, B, and C. Operator C, those are my CNC operators that are running my uh, my saws. Now, historically, for someone to advance, there had to be a vacancy. We've done away with that mentality completely and said, if you're an operator A and you want to be an operator B, we have some curriculum that you've got to be trained on. And there is a skills assessment test, both written and demonstrated, that you have to pass. and you will become an operator B and you go into a B rotation on that team. So each high performance team has operator A, Bs, and Cs on it. If that entire team wants to develop into operator Cs and top out at the pay scale, I will gladly support that because I get some really good system experts in that in that small little high performance team. If we have a problem our most complicated process is that operator C that's running that CNC wire saw. Let's say I have a problem with the saw. I now have seven heads that are really dialed into that. And man, they are going to do some cool things and they're going to do it really quickly. They can spot defects from a mile off. And on top of that, it gives them the opportunity to grow continually. Mm -hmm. So it opened up, it, it, it did, it did open up a lot of opportunity for our employees. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I know I've, I've been on your manufacturing floor and, uh, and I see the difference in your team and, and just how engaged they are, how excited they are. Um, and obviously, you know, again, when I'm there, your leadership team is out there working side by side with oh, the yeah. team. And, um, and I think that's what I appreciate about coming into a, a facility like yours. Um, you know, the, 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 um, the humble leadership, the servant leaders, the, uh, the, 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 you know, just, there's just so many, uh, positive things that I see when I come into your facility. So, you know, kudos to you guys, kudos to your entire team for the work that you guys are doing. Uh, if, if anybody that's listening in, uh, has questions, Toby, about some of the stuff that you're doing or, or, um, just wants to send you a note, what, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Yeah. Email is definitely the right way to go. Um, I love doing plant tours. Um, the plant shows really well. Um, yeah. I absolutely love doing that. Um, so if anyone is ever interested in, in stopping in, I love networking within the Holland area. Um, I do have a facility over in the Rochester Hills um, um, area as well. Reach out to me via email. Um, I would love to um, engage. I, I also love having people in to say, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? I'm open to that. You know, um, I'm, I'm not territorial at all. So yeah. I love that. Love that you that you like to share. And Coastal is doing some pretty amazing things, uh, you know, on the lakeshore. And we're talking specifically in Michigan here, West Michigan. Um, so for those of you that are listening in from the UK or from Australia, uh, you know, I mean, by all means, Grand Rapids has a great airport. Come on in. Uh, actually, 
I'll just say Coastal is also one of our uh, one of our sponsors for our upcoming Lean Solutions Summit in October. Uh, and so if you want to come meet Toby and maybe fly in a little early, I'm sure Toby would love to give you a tour uh, in October when when we're around for the Lean Solutions Summit. So and a little plug there for that. All right. So any uh, the other thing, Toby, is uh, I will drop your email and Coastal's uh, link for the website into the show notes. So if anyone's interested to reach out to Toby, you can find his information right in the show notes. And uh, yeah, and otherwise, uh, if you want to meet Toby in person, come on out to the Lean Solutions Summit and uh, we'll have him there as well as Coastal. So Toby, thanks again. It was great to talk with you. I'm excited to get back out into your facility and see what other amazing things are coming down the pipeline. So great work to you guys. And thanks again for being on. Awesome. Yeah, really appreciate the opportunity, Patrick. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.